Road Through Grief podcast, where we interview individuals just like you dealing with their own journey from loss to growth, along with mental health experts, growth guides, all with the purpose of helping you heal better, improve mind, body, and spirit, and find your new purpose from the loss and tragedy that unfortunately you've experienced. Hi, I'm Tom Pasello. I'm the founder of Growth Through Grief. I'm a growth evangelist, as well as a fellow widower, having lost my beautiful bride, Judy, a 19-year marriage, and I lost her five years ago. My guest today is Helen Keeling Neal. She is a licensed mental health counselor, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and a nationally certified counselor with a private practice in my hometown of Winter Park, Florida. As well, we're proud to have Helen on the board with us here at Growth Through Grief, and she helps guide our practices on all things concerning the mind and mental health. Prior to work in mental health, Helen was a creative. She served as an adjunct professor at the University of Central Florida in radio and television production, director of My Art Studio, a children's art studio, and president of multimedia agency Emerge Media. Helen has personal experience with grief and loss herself, unfortunately, as a widow, her husband passing away when her children were only four and six years old. And we are here to discuss today dating. I know there was an, another episode on dating, but there were so many aspects of dating anew that Helen and I needed to talk about that we needed to add another session. So Helen, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. So we left off on dating where things were starting to get going and um, we discussed dating apps and things like that. I know a lot of widowers, they get reach outs from women pretty early on. How do you deal with those reach outs? Yeah, that, that can be a little complex, right? There's a certain vulnerability that someone is going through after loss um, mm -hmm. And then on the flip side of that is the fact that someone may be looking to, you know, treat their feelings in a relationship and manage their feelings through being cared for in a relationship. So, but what you're talking about in particular is when a widower becomes sort of on the market, so to speak, mm -hmm. not that I, that I love that term, but they're now available and there are people who would like to date this person and are making overtures to get to know them. Yeah. And some, and of, challenging Helen, some of those, Helen, might be good reach outs that are positive and truly they want mm -hmm. to get to know you better. They want to have a great relationship with you. Others might not have those same intentions, you know, and maybe a little bit more selfish and not reaching yeah. out in a caring way, but maybe reaching out in a, a selfish and, and perhaps a way to almost take advantage of a widower. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there is that vulnerability that goes along with having a loss right afterwards. And I think too, one of the ways that I think widowers can be particularly vulnerable is when come on, someone comes in through sort of a side door of caring and helping and nurturing. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily consciously on someone's part. They may feel that way, but then may also know that this is an eligible person that fits a criteria or a lifestyle or a connection that they're missing and that they would like, mm -hmm. right? Um, especially if 
there are people who may be known for being affluent and are particularly vulnerable. You know, I have to have some discretion with choosing who you're going to get connected with just to make sure it's done from a place of integrity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a place of where you're not just trying to quickly maybe medicate with a relationship, yeah. right? I know a lot of widowers were lonely through the grieving process that started while their wives were sick and ill, perhaps if it right. was a long illness that led to the passing. Mm -hmm. uh, others where it's shorter um, might have a hole that they're looking to fill and yeah. can then become victims uh, of someone with maybe, you know, as you said, maybe not direct intentions to do so, but in some cases, right. maybe direct intentions. And I know widows face this a lot where yes. speaking to folks at the Modern Widows Club and Helen, I don't know if you face this, but, you know, women are seen as pretty vulnerable in this. And, and yes. there are uh, folks that are looking to trick and uh, and deceive. And so we do need to have oh, our yeah. guards up. Absolutely. Very much so. And And then vice versa, you may find with widowers, they may be looking to fill a nurturer role in their family, mm -hmm. you know, especially if you have kids going on, thinking that maybe bring in someone who can take over that role. If that was a traditional sort of role that the wife or partner um, held in the family system and then vice versa with the widows, you know, we often see a real financial insecurity after loss. And so sometimes a widow is in a position where they're looking to help, filled that role as, mm -hmm. of a provider. So, you know, the teeth sort of fit in there on both yeah. sides. Now, if it's someone that you are interested in, because I know that can mm -hmm. happen as well, where yeah. all of a sudden now there is that opportunity, uh, enough time has passed, so you're comfortable and you're feeling secure and mm -hmm. going out there. Um, how do you begin that vetting process? What yeah, are the things betting. that you think you should look for in yourself that it's a healthy relationship as well as perhaps in the partner that that it's actually going to form a healthy relationship and gets off to the right on the right foot? Yeah, well, we talked about this a little bit in the last one, right? We talked about knowing what you want first, but knowing mm -hmm. who you are first. And, you know, I think one of the big things is you have to check in with what part of your body wants this relationship? Where is it based? Are we based in, hey, I would like to have sex. I would like to be sexually intimate with someone. I, I, I crave that. That's a normal, human, wonderful thing to have in one's life. And here are women who want to be with me. That's very engaging, very attractive very validating for someone who may has been, been with someone who was ill, not able to engage that way, um, or someone that has their self-esteem is down as a result of a really difficult time. Just, it feels good. It feels good to be found attractive. Right. And then being wary of setting up a relationship based in there and finding it doesn't have the substance or the legs to go along with it and ending up, hurt or hurting. <laughs> there's a need for discussion about when you meet someone, when you start dating someone There's a, you know, not right away. Cause we don't want to like right away. That would just be weird, but there's a need for a discussion on what is wanted. What, what do you want? What are you looking for in a coupleship? Are you looking for a friend to hang out with and, and go to the movies with and have sex with? 
or you're looking to really develop a coupleship. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's important to happen. And I agree. Think, I think that being able to have those open discussions, as you said, maybe not in the beginning, the first mm-hmm. couple of coffee dates, my first piece of advice would be to take it really slow. Yeah. Go on those coffee dates. Don't immediately go out to a romantic dinner where A can lead to B can lead to C, and then you're doing things maybe too early. I think that taking it really slow is good because you need to find out where you're at in it. You may not Mm -hmm. be ready. Yeah. Or you may find out that they aren't ready for everything that you need in a partner because as widowers, we have some special needs and there will need to be some special nurturing and honestly, a special person or two that needs to come into your life to help through that healing process. Yeah. And then my other piece of advice is on sex, if we can go back to that topic, Helen, um, probably put it off longer than you might think you would have when you were younger and dating the first time Mm -hmm. around, maybe in your 20s or 30s. Um, I do think that it's hard to make a good judgment about your partner when sex is involved. I, Mm -hmm. I think it bonds us as men and women in a very special way. And my advice would be to set up some pretty strict boundaries there where, yeah, if you want to go and have a fling and this other person wants to have a fling and that's a mutual understanding, that's That's all different. Do Mm -hmm. that, right? If you're looking for a deeper relationship, I would definitely encourage putting off sexual relations as longer than you normally would have. Um, yeah. Talk about yeah. that it's a something bit you... in your views on it, Helen. You're you're the professional, yeah, well, I'm not. I just from experience. Uh, right? Well, well everybody's different in that, right? For somebody to put it off may make someone feel like they're not attractive. Mm-hmm. But that's an opportunity to work through that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think really what is really great is when you've had these conversations, you're dating someone, you've had these conversations and you decide you're going to give it a shot and you want to develop the relationship, come up with a time frame together. Mm-hmm. And so if it's 30 days or if it's, you know, however long you come up with that time frame together um, and this is your goal to get to know each other and be mindful, be specific about how you're going to get to know each other, mm-hmm. what kind of questions you're going to ask. Um, and also it's kind of fun. Because, yeah. you know, you've got this delayed gratification down the road. And, you know, when it happens, you're in it together. You've already spent this time getting to know each other, knowing that this is down the road, which is exciting. <laughs> and then you can have that experience together, which can be great. And again, because and then also, you've- yeah, Helen, because it was mutually agreed to, there is this not a sense of rejection, right? Where it could be like, oh, well, she's expecting it from me, but I'm not going and making Ready. those overtures yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So go yes, ahead, Helen. Right. That's go why ahead. conversation is so important. And, you know, and then when you have sex, you'll start to find out whether you're compatible there too, because that's a process as well. Not every everybody is compatible uh, sexually. Mm-hmm. And, and so that warrants then some further exploration. Yeah. Now something that, you know, you deal with later in life, um, in terms of, you know, sexual relations is, um, Mm -hmm. testing perhaps, and making sure that you and your partner have both been tested. Um, there are things that we haven't thought about in 20 or 30 years. Um, you know, you don't necessarily need protection when you're older, perhaps, you know, you're, you, 
you're fixed and your partner is uh, through menopause. And so pregnancy is less of an issue, right? But then we find that older people, particularly, there is a wave of STDs in a lot of older right. communities. Yeah. The villages had an issue yeah. just recently where the CDC had a visit. It was so bad. So talk right. about that a little bit and some things we need to consider there. Yeah. So, you know, you want to have those frank conversations. If you're someone who carries the herpes virus, you want to be able to have that conversation with your partner early on mm -hmm. before you've been sexually intimate and to do it without shame. It's a very, very, very common thing. It's very normal. It's like the equal to having a common cold. There isn't the shame stigma around it that they used to be. You, you want to discuss protection. You want to discuss birth control because there are a number of the widowers group who are, you know, in the age where, where pregnancy would be an issue. Um, and you just need to be frank and you talk about your sexual health and continuing that sexual wellness for you and your partner. I want you to remember that both people in the partnership are responsible for their own sexual wellness. Mm -hmm. Don't rely so, on your partner for that, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You really have to be responsible. You really do need to bring up those conversations. You do need to ask the questions about if this person has any STDs and when was the last time they got tested and, and all those kind of things that go along with it. Really important. And as adults, you know, we're, we're in a culture that does not promote this. Mm -hmm. So it's just effing awkward. Let's face it to sit down and say, Hey, but you can start it out with, Hey, let's have some adult conversations about a really awkward, awkward topic. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to start STDs. This is our category. And then just start it from that. You sort of, sort of say it lightly and use that as your entry. And if you're talking with someone who is unable or unwilling or un to have those conversations, uncomfortable is fine. Of course, they're gonna be uncomfortable. That's a bit of a clue for you of um, the fact that this is someone who may not be able to open up and talk freely about what, what needs to be spoken about in relationships for a relationship to have a good communication. Um, don't back off it. You can circle back around to it if it's too uncomfortable right then for the person to have the conversation with, but don't do anything until there's been resolution and clear communication about it. Protection, um, good questions, healthy sexual health is um, not necessarily about being STD free. It's about communicating and protecting oneself and one's partner by communicating. Yeah. I can tell you firsthand that testing is available. It's easy to get, mm -hmm. it's quick to get. Yes. And so, yeah. you know, saying to your partner, hey, I'll test, you test. Let's make sure yeah. we're going into this right. You know, if you were sexually active before, I think is a great way to maturely reach that part in your relationship. And I think if you're the one bringing it up as a widower, there's a transparency and an honesty there that I think your partner will really respect that yeah. they may not be getting from others. So I think there's a couple of points to be earned there, honestly, if you can maturely Definitely. bring it up in a sensitive way. Um, yeah. 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 So Helen, we begin to get into a relationship and, you know, I think as a widower, 
and as a widow, I think you face this as well. It's really easy to, and it takes a long time to get over triggers, right? Mm -hmm. It's very mm -hmm. easy for us when there has been this level of hurt and loss in our lives, perhaps things that haven't fully been worked through that we're going to get an amygdala trigger. We're going to get an yeah. amygdala hijack, right? And four Fs come into play. Talk about those and how they might manifest themselves in the relationship as we get in after the first few dates. Yeah. Well, let me. So in the first few dates, we talked in the last episode about my experience with smelling the wrong cologne, mm -hmm. the wrong cologne. It wasn't the wrong cologne. It just wasn't David's cologne. Right? So that's an example of my limbic system being hijacked by a memory. Yeah. But there are so many other things that may make someone feel like running away so simply driving in a car with someone new and a song comes on that's particular to you. And as men, culturally programmed to not cry, certainly not cry on a date. But so maybe you're fighting down the tears as the song is, is coming on on the radio and you're not wanting to let it up. And, you, you know, all of that is, is activated right there. That's really difficult. You have a couple of choices then. You can say, if you know the person well enough, you know, I can feel some grief right now because <laughs> this is a song my wife and I used to listen to when we would drive to the mountains. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's making me feel really sad. I'm happy I'm here with you, but I'm feeling really sad about this right now. So again, it's about the communication, but some of it is about the communication with oneself and acknowledging the truth of what's going on. It's not driving to the restaurant and chugging down three shots of tequila because you don't want the grief to come up yeah. or eating an entire apple pie. It's not that, or jumping into bed, let's have some hot sex as a way to shut it down. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of that can be good when used mindfully and in moderation. Um, so there are just so many triggers, so many things, uh, a sentence, a word, a look, an article of clothing, a color, and it's going to happen all the time. And acknowledging it, acknowledging how you feel about it and verbalizing it, really important. Yeah. And you can have that conversation with your person too. You can say to them, Hey, this is part of the grieving process. I want you to know when that happens to me and, and it is going to happen to me. And I don't always know it when it's going to happen that, um, I want you to know that's nothing to do with you yeah. and that I want to be with you. It's simply part of the grief process. Yeah. So the four reactions that have been most common with me in this have been fight kind of, mm -hmm. you know, this, this little anger that comes up, like almost out of nowhere, where it's mm -hmm. a kind of a little outsized reaction to maybe something that someone says, and it has nothing mm -hmm. to do actually maybe with what that person said, but it's kind of triggering something from the, the past. Yeah. One that I know you experienced, uh, which is flight, right? Oh yeah, that's me. Self where maybe you ghost someone who just triggered you the wrong way or triggered something right. in the past. Um, or you, you kind of, someone says something wrong and you kind of leave the table and you run there. Freezing yeah. is one that mm -hmm. a lot of people face where you kind of go in a possum mode. You just want to crawl up in a ball and cry yeah. or, or you just shut down. 
which yes. happens a lot. You know, yeah. someone will say something wrong, and all of a sudden it's like blank, blank look on your face. You're in, mm -hmm. you're inside yourself, and you just don't want to hear anything that person said. Yeah. And then yeah. one Helen that I didn't even realize uh, was impacting me, but uh, fawn mode. Talk about that a little bit, because that's one I don't think everyone fully understands, but is actually mm -hmm. a fairly common manifestation for men in particular, for widowers. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight and flight, and then parasympathetic nervous system, which is um, the submit, uh, freeze and submit, those kind of pieces. So with the fawn or the submit, it's about your yes, dearing, yes, dear, yes, dear. You're going to go out of your way to just emotionally make it okay with this person as a way to avoid what's really going on underneath. If I can just make this okay in this relationship, everything will be okay. I won't have to feel these feelings. So everything is about the other person and making the other person happy and submitting to their desires, taking on full responsibility for it being messed up or not going well and, and just giving over your power. You're basically handing over your emotional power to that person without even realizing you're doing it because you're thinking you're nurturing and caring and giving. Yeah. And what happens and, and, is end up depleted. Yeah, you end up depleted. And what happens is all of a sudden you'll realize that what what has happened and have an outsized reaction to that and saying, That's it, I won't yeah. be taken advantage of anymore. And the person is looking at you like, What the heck just happened? You were pleasing yeah. me all this time. Yes, 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 yes. Giving, 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 giving. Underneath your boundaries were being overstepped, yet you didn't step up to the plate and let them know that. That is your fault, not their fault. Right. You didn't set the boundaries. It's like a child that acts up and you don't set boundaries. And then all of a yeah. sudden, you know, whack them, right? Yeah. Which you can't do, but that's ultimately what the reaction becomes is the fawn all of a sudden becomes the lion. And there's this yes. outside reaction. Usually. The fight. Yeah. The fight Flip. eventually kicks in to the sympathetic nervous system. Yes, because that self-abandoning fawn and submitting leads to resentment building up. What about my needs? What about my needs? What about my needs? What about my needs? You never, you always. Yeah. Yeah. So I highly recommend for those who think they recognize a little bit of that, where you're the, the pleaser, you're the doer, you're the giver, and you're feeling that resentment starting to build up. Two essential books that I read to help overcome that. One called Beyond Boundaries, and the other one, mm -hmm. highly recommend No More Mr. Nice Guy. And it has a bad title, a controversial title, but it actually is a very productive book. It's not about No More Mr. Nice Guy, so be an asshole. It's right. no more Mr. Nice Guy. Don't be a fawn for forever. And by setting boundaries, you're actually doing the relationship and your partner more benefit than what you might know. So both of those are listed on our website under the tools section. Highly recommend both of those. Helen, any that you recommend with regard to that? I just re recommend anything that Brene Brown does around the shame component of this, because mm -hmm. I think there is a shame component in there where we're giving away, giving away in order to give to so that we can get. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a sort of an underneath secondary gain is we are now essential to that person. If we are caretaking everything, then maybe they won't leave mm -hmm. or maybe it won't end those 
those components on it. So, so I think Brene Brown has a great way of helping people learn how to value themselves and understand that boundaries are for both of us in the relationship, both people in the relationship, because the other person, when that flip happens and they're like, well, I didn't know that you didn't like mustard on your hot dogs. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And then that becomes your issue. You know, it's not that person for not reading your mind. It's not their issue. Right. It's your issue because you didn't set the boundary. Yeah. You didn't let them know what you wanted. And so that's yeah, your responsibility exactly. and it actually does help the relationship. It will benefit the other person by doing that. And they will learn to love and respect you a mm -hmm. lot more rather than just feeling like you're the giver and maybe they can walk all over you kind of thing. So really important, both those books, I think, as education, because again, Helen, this isn't something that we've done in a while, right? As widow and widower, you know, we didn't expect to be in this situation at this point in our lives. Exactly. We were in a relationship for a really long time where it was yeah. hopefully a positive communicative relationship where these things weren't as big an issue. And now as we're getting out there in the dating world, it's going to come at us a million miles an hour and we need to be prepared and we need to educate ourselves. So definitely doing that research and being prepared, knowing fight, flight, freeze and fawn, knowing how to make sure you've done the work so that you're not reacting in these triggered ways or not falling into one of these personas, I think is important. Yeah. All right. So things are going well. Now, a couple of a couple of things. I'm going to go through a few of these with you. So we're not going to dive too deep into each one. But the first thing is you've been dating someone for a while. It's going well. You're also maybe going out on a couple of other dates with some other people. Um, when is it time to kind of make a commitment? And what does that look like? Define commitment. Yeah. <laughs> Define that. Yeah, and I think that's part of what you need to do, perhaps, with the other yes. person, right? So talk about that. Yes. Well, I think there are varying commitments mm -hmm. and commitment styles and commitment ways. One may be, as a step, we're not going to be dating anybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, we are in a monogamous relationship or a polyamorous relationship. There mm -hmm. are people who practice ethical polyamory, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you want to decide in these little steps what the commitment level is. Mm -hmm. um, there's no rush usually. Now, there is a difference, though. There's a difference between us, Tom, at our ages. We have a different point of view than someone who may have lost a spouse and not have children and wants them or may have very young children, you, you know, they're on a sort of different developmental track on where they are in their life. And so we have to remember that someone may want to accelerate a little bit and, um, and may marry sooner or move in sooner or commit sooner because, you know, they want to raise a family or they want to have a family unit to raise a family. Here too, I think some work, doing some work in this area was really important for me. I think understanding that you're on the same page with who you're dating is the yeah. most important thing. So you're ready for that next step. Communicate that next step to your partner. Mm -hmm. Don't leave it up for guessing because you might right. think you're at that next step and they're not even close to being there or vice versa, which tends to happen yeah. a lot more with widowers where the women that at least I've dated have thought that next step 
kind of was already there. And maybe mm -hmm. it was, maybe it wasn't, but we hadn't talked about it. And so you're assuming a lot or you're trying to have your partner read your mind. And I think that that can be a challenge. So I think being really explicit about the purpose of where you're at in that relationship, the commitment that you're willing to make and that they're willing to make is important. And the book that helped me a lot here was a book called Getting to Commitment. Another one that we've got on our recommended reading list that I highly encourage is one of the first books to read about dating. And it really helped me a lot to understand all of the challenges and how they show up if you don't have these conversations. And you should spend I think time every week, if you're in a relationship that's gone beyond a, you know, the coffee dates and now you're, you're dating, you're spending time with each other. I think spending a little bit of time each week religiously talking about the relationship. How's it going? How are we doing? Um, are we on the same page? You know, and not maybe using those exact words because I don't think those words come out of my mouth too often, but, but getting at that with your partner, I right. think is essential. Yeah, checking in. And another thing I think that's important to remember is a lot of the time you're not going to be on the same page. So what do you do <laughs> with that piece, right? Someone else needs time and space to grow into that commitment. Yeah. You may be ready for it. They may need to do some personal work to become ready for it Yeah, and, and vice versa. And that's not and, the end of the relationship at that point. No, unless you want it to be, unless you're looking for someone right. right then and there to be at that point. But that just means, right. okay, I understand where you're at. You understand where I'm mm -hmm. at. We both would like to get, I think some of yes. it understanding the, the destination you'd like to get to, but also yeah. having understanding of the reality of where you're at and where they're at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like that big thing of saying, I love you. Mm -hmm. Who's going to say it first? And is somebody going to respond? But but I'd like to empower people to say it because they feel it yes. without an expectation of a response or an equal in part uh, verbal response to it. Yeah. And I think that can sometimes take time for people too to understand that it's not a quid pro quo yeah. on I love you or commitment in the relationship, whatever it may be, a healthy relationship, there is no quid pro quo. You're doing the things right. because you want to do them. And they are the icing on your cake, not the whole cake. Two important things that I remember now that I can't say I got right through maybe the first couple of post relationships. Okay, the commitment is there, it's going well, you're both monogamous to each other. You both understand that you're in a relationship and now it's time to kind of take it to that next level. Mm -hmm. um, that usually involves some entanglement in which could be a good way, which could be a bad way. Things like moving in, things uh -huh. like starting to financially entangle, maybe with cars or homes, right? Maybe joint business dealings and working together. That's a whole other different level of commitment. Talk about those things, Helen. I'm just noting that's an interesting word that you used, entangled. <laughs> which to me has actually, there's a positive in that as yeah. well as blending, a right? negative. Yeah, blending. To me, it's blending. from the term quantum entanglement and how uh -huh. particles kind of become entangled and one turns Got it. Okay. can flip the other. Yeah. So a, a right. simpatico entanglement, not a troubled entanglement. <laughs> 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 right. I like that. I, um, that it's a scientific mm -hmm. merging, blending. Yeah. A lot of conversations there. So when we're talking next level for commitment, we're looking at things like 
even things like going on vacation together. Mm -hmm. You know, who pays for what? How do we do that? Do we take kids if there are kids? If so, where do we go? And then we travel together. How many rooms do we have? Do we share a room around the kids? Blah, blah, blah. All this kind of stuff. So you got to have conversations about that. Mm -hmm. What works? Um, when you're dealing with children who have lost a parent, mm -hmm. It's really, really important when you're doing something like a vacation or a family event for the first time together in this new um, format with a new person, there's a very difficult thing for children many times <laughs> because they can feel it not like a game, but like a loss or a missing or an absence of mom or an absence of dad. <laughs> so you want to be mindful about that. And, and you want to have losing you too. I think one of the things I feel a lot, Helen, is that they feel like they could maybe lose me too, to this other relationship or maybe to the other family. So I lost you for a chunk of time there. I don't know what you said. Yeah. So what I, I, I lost you too. So let's yeah, go. They're worried about losing you too. Yeah. Is what I heard. Yeah. So they're worried about perhaps losing me too, to this other person. And I sometimes can feel that in some of the actions or some of the words. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Cause it makes everything different. And again, if it's going to be a blended family with other children, you're looking at who might have been the first born in your family is now the second born in a blended family. So there's a complexity to it. So therapy can re be really helpful um, for kids in this. You know, I'm a big fan of New Hope. Mm -hmm. for grieving children and family. That can be really helpful there because it can normalize it for the kids. Um, and even doing with the new, your new configuration, some family sessions, mm -hmm. even though you're not technically necessarily married at the time, but just to, hey, let's go get some resources and maybe talk through some things and some tools with a family therapist who can help. Um, early on, well, not that early on, about a year and a half after David died, I had a relationship with someone and um, he had children. Mm -hmm. And I'll just never forget one time the little boy saying to me, we we're at the beach and we we're on vacation. And for the first time, all of us together saying to me about how, like, he didn't know if his dad had told me that he was having some very big feelings about this. Oh, okay. Yeah. His parents were divorced. Yeah. And he was having some very big feelings about this. And I just remember sitting there and like in the water with him and being like, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense that you would have some big feelings about this. It's kind of hard. It's hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And just being Technology. able to give yeah. that to him. Number one, how awesome is this kid for expressing that? Yeah. And how lucky am I that he felt comfortable enough and safe enough with me to say it? Yeah. And how jealous I am that you're a therapist and you knew the right answer to give at that point in time, Helen. <laughs> I wish we all had your wisdom and Well, here's the thing. That's before I was a therapist. Okay. That's before I was a therapist. I wasn't a therapist. I think, I think you were meant to the, meant to do this clearly yeah. based on that answer. Yeah. But that was wise yeah. of you. And I think a lot of times the kids are just wanting to be acknowledged, uh, wanting to yes. be listened to, wanting to feel like they're heard and that their feelings aren't just pushed aside. 
And it takes an extra bit of patience and awareness, I think, and knowledge to do that. I can honestly say that, you know, I'm, I'm on the go so often that I was remiss in that many, many times in my relationship with my kids of just saying, well, kind of get with the program, quote unquote. And this is even before duty passed, it was always get with the program. So it's yeah. not like anything has changed, but you really need to, I think, spend that extra time and be aware that they are going to have those feelings, even if they didn't express it like this little mm -hmm. so kindly did with you. So one yeah, of the- right. Yeah, right. Tom, I want to tell you, though, I, I want to say that I was on the flip end of that, where mm -hmm. I was too much about the feelings. I was too sort of indulging the feelings and that kind of uh, point of view that I came from. So, you know, it works at both ends of the spectrum and that created problems, too. Yeah, because then the child who doesn't maybe know how to accept this new relationship is throwing a tantrum, let's say to the extreme, yeah. right? And you're coddling them. It's all about their feelings. Yeah, and it's all about mm -hmm. their feelings and nothing about what may be good ultimately for the family mm -hmm. longer term that they can't see. So completely agree with that. One of the things that I think is really important are things like the moving in, the financial entanglements, the business mm -hmm. dealings. I think too often it, nowadays, whether it's widowers or even just general relationships, I think people get involved at that level much too soon, perhaps, and maybe yeah. where the commitment isn't quite completely agreed to, yet all of a sudden there's a financial entanglement or a business entanglement or perhaps a family entanglement that occurs mm -hmm. when perhaps it should have been delayed and there should have been more of a commitment. Maybe you need to be engaged before you move in, or maybe there should be some form of bigger discussion, agreement, and uh, validation that occurs before you're getting into a business partnership or definitely or other things like that, right? Talk about that a little bit and how important that is. Yeah. It's almost like you need a forensic analysis of the finances, of how are we going to choose the furniture? If you're moving into maybe the widower's house, what can this person coming in change in the house mm -hmm. so that it's going to feel like their home versus them living in another woman's home? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there really does warrant a lot of uh, question and answer sessions to really get down to, so how do you feel about this? And what if this? Mm -hmm. It's, it's quite difficult and, and it can feel very complex and overwhelming, but it's just an indication to not jump at it. Yeah. Just and take Helen, some time. Diligent communication and having that, I think, in the beginning so that you're having these little conversations that mm -hmm. build and build and build into this mutual agreement alignment kind of thing, even if they're not in total lockstep all the time, which they won't be. Um, mm -hmm. If you're totally simpatico with someone all the way, I'd start to doubt where they're at and where you're at. And sometimes there'll be the pause button that gets hit. And the book, Getting the Commitment, talks about that. Sometimes you just need space and they need space. But as you start to get into this relationship more, I think you need to have these agreements in place, sometimes legal ones, sometimes bigger commitments, but actually get it to where things aren't left up to chance that you're just doing something without a mutual expectation and agreement so that it's clear that when one person doesn't fulfill on their end of it, that there's not this big surprise that comes out of nowhere. Right. 
Yeah. I don't want anybody to be victimized yeah. in this financially, yeah. emotionally, in any way whatsoever. We don't want someone to give up their home and then be left with nothing as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, so it needs to be consideration. Or to a place and not feel comfortable, right? Or right. or build up resentment and things like that that all of a sudden end in an explosion and, and a what the heck just happened kind of thing. Absolutely. Right. So, so with that piece too, I think it's really good for a couple to sit down and say, because usually I would think, Tom, um, you have met people who were divorced, who have had previous relationships, probably not so much widows, right? Mm -hmm. And and so if you're with someone who's divorced, you want to have a conversation about how were finances handled in your previous relationships, what worked from that and what didn't work mm -hmm. from that, and what do you think you would want moving forward, and then vice versa, how are finances over here handled and what do you think we need moving forward? We need a certain amount of autonomy, you know, and then a certain amount of combined mm -hmm. resources and, and just having that discussion. Are you someone who's a saver or are you someone who is like carpe diem? Let's get a windsurfer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're going to Italy. That's me. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll take it. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> Um, right. Helen, yeah, there's a lot there. And I think that you'll find too, that if you don't have the discussions with your partner, especially if they have been through a divorce, which isn't mm -hmm. an easy process for anyone to go through no. where you may have triggers there that if you don't address these things, it's not only your triggers to worry about, but it's theirs as well and not worry about, but just proactively address and know that they're there and it's complex at our age. You know, there are yeah. children, there, there are estates and things to think about and their well-being to think about college, education, mm -hmm. things like that. And, you know, making sure you've got a financial report on the other person, make sure you clearly mm -hmm. understand what you're getting into with them. Mm -hmm. uh, what is their credit report? How could that potentially hurt or help you through things? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, then we talk about, well, you're really, really ready for that next step and remarrying if that's an mm -hmm. option for you, if it's something that you've thought about and you want and, and that person is right. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to back up a little bit and then we'll talk about that. Okay. But because I think really when you're coming up to the marriage line, you want to know the person emotionally, uh, physically, financially and spiritually. Mm -hmm. These are the areas you want to have really kind of got to know each other in. And then there was something that you said that really activated something. I think we have to remember. If you're in a relationship with someone who's been through a divorce, there is grief there. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. We have to remember that we don't have the market on grief and loss. Mm -hmm. It's a specific kind of grief and loss through death. But there is grief and loss and complexity and a whole bunch of stuff that goes along with divorce. So we have to be very mindful because there can be inside one's head that little bit, well, you know, they've got some help from this person over here. I don't have any of that, you know, yeah. and, and we want to make sure that understand that this person has that as well, that mm -hmm. loss. Totally agree. Now remarry to go on to that topic. Now remarry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and then we all live happily ever after. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. Wouldn't that be <laughs> awesome? That's a yeah, right? fairy tale princess life. Yeah. So who do you invite to the wedding? Do you invite your in-laws? It's complex in that sense. But I think what's so important here, if you make a decision to remarry, 
you want it to be fresh for the couple of you. You don't want to do anything that's the same in the past on either side's relationship. You want to craft something that works for you now. You want to to plan it in a way where honestly you could like giggle with joy about eating cake and you know really have it be fun and not stressful mm -hmm. and just make it completely about the two of you. You have to remember that remarrying will have an effect on the children and it will also bring up grief for both of you if the person is divorced or the person has had a death because you're going to be thinking about your previous marriage, but you're going to be thinking about them completely differently. So you need to be aware of that, um, that the grief might pop up. Yeah, totally agree. And I think you had a good point there, Helen, making sure you're creating something special going forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's throughout the relationship as well, not trying to recreate. And I know we're going to talk about this in a, a right. follow-on session. Don't recreate that relationship just because it worked and just because it's special. Make sure you're going to those new locations, creating new, yeah. different memories. I think new memories, really yeah. Important. Helen, what's the one piece of advice around dating <laughs> that you'd like to leave our warriors, our growth warriors, our widowers with today? Hmm. Know yourself first, get to know your other person and take your time with it. Ask the hard questions and have the difficult conversations, even if you're afraid to push the other person away if you do it. And know that if it doesn't work out, you will have more opportunities and, and that love is out there. It will come to you. Yeah, I agree completely, Helen. Have those conversations because they will either make you stronger as a couple, even if the pause button will get hit a few times by doing that, um, or it will let you find out rather easily and quickly that, you know what, this wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So absolutely. I think communication is key. Three resources that I loved getting to commitment beyond boundaries. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Brene Brown that Helen recommended. Helen, I'll get those books up and listed in our resources as well, because I know that'll be important. Our growth warriors, our widowers love to grow and have a growth mindset. So hopefully they'll go and consume those books. And I know they were educational. I took great things out of all of them. And the Brene Brown series is a, a good one as well. Uh, she always has really, really good advice. So Helen, thank you so much. We're going to have you back as a guest to cover some other really, Absolutely. really important topics. And uh, we'll post um, Helen's contact information as well for all of you. Thank you, Helen. You're welcome. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening to our Grow Through Grief podcast. If you liked what you hear, hit the subscribe button, like, 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 pound that button as well. Uh, stay up to date on the latest episodes by subscribing. And until the next time, my growth warriors, keep growing.